Whoo! Was it a late night last night? Oh boy! Well, I won't get into it. I'm not. Well, I'll leave it at that. The Golden Stallion, the Man of Tomorrow, Sab Zhu, the Rated R Radio Star, here with you for uh, well, you know, a little Q and A. As we get every Wednesday, uh, Patreon only, of course, to all the, uh, the the lovely and wonderful and obviously very intelligent uh, based upon many of the questions that I get. I get so many good questions. I, I don't know when I'm ever going to get to all of them, uh, but uh, but some of them are just wonderful. But anyway, thank you to to all. Yes, all the lovely, intelligent, blah, blah, what I just said. Uh, Patreon subscribers, you really, as I always say, you help make all this go round and round. Uh, and we are almost, we are that shy of getting to the $200 mark a month. Uh, and if we can get to the $500 mark a month, that means we can do two Sovereign Techs per week. But already you're getting at least a bonus hour from me. And honestly, uh, I have, I have, if, I, if I get my way, I've got a bunch of other content uh, coming out this week as well. Uh, there is the, the Microsoft event happened today, happened earlier today, which I thought was, uh, was very interesting. Not... It wasn't as like uh, I guess you could say earth shattering perhaps as last year's Microsoft kind of their hardware event, whatever you want to call it. Eventually, they're probably going to call it like the Surface event, Surface event or something. Um, but they announced the Surface Studio. There was uh, the new version of the Surface, or the kind of the minor upgrade to the Surface Book, uh, and a bunch of the Surface Studio was that all in one. It's kind of the first Windows desktop PC, which people have been asking for. As far back as I can remember, like literally back in the Windows 3.1 days, you know, uh, I remember people saying, why can't Microsoft just make their own computer like Apple does, blah, blah, blah. Well, now they finally have. But anyway, I'm going to save that conversation for a... Another special. Uh, I kind of teased that when I did the when I covered the 104 event by Google, was that you know eventually I'll I'll just do like single maybe one hour episodes where I cover these events as compared to taking up so much precious time uh, within the Sovereign Tech Prime episodes themselves. Uh, so I will save it uh, for that. So with all that said, why don't we get into this week's questions? We've got a got I'm going to try and get through at least four here. Uh, one of them will be fun. I'll save that for uh, for the end. Uh, and the two in the middle are a couple of great tech questions, uh, actually from the same person, but that's that's totally fine. The questions are so good, I want to get to them. Uh, and I have a lot of others to get to in the future, but please don't stop sending them in because there may be questions that are just far more timely, maybe far more interesting for people. Not to say that the que- any question you ask is very, very important to me and, and very interesting. I'm not saying that. It's just that some are a little more timely than others. And so if you have a very timely question you want to ask, please send it in to me. Okay. There's the email. Uh, my preferred way really to get these get questions, especially for the Q and a is through the Patreon messenger, but you can also ask on Twitter. And honestly, it helps a little bit if you say for Patreon or like hashtag Patreon or hashtag on Patreon or something like that. Uh, I also, I want to say, I know that some listeners have been sharing the Patreon page alone uh, recommending to people, Hey, you've got to be donating to this and you got to get your hands on this content. I am honored that people have done that. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, sharing, 
I've been up and down on this on whether or not how important it is to share or not how important, how effective it is to share, say, shows or to, you know, share podcast episodes and all that with other people. Um, I'm starting to find now that it's actually be, I mean, people are, I think they are starting to realize I can't take all these stories. You know, I, I need some kind of curation and podcasting makes for great curation. Um, something Brett and I, Brett Venat of the school sucks project talked about, uh, when he was on sovereign tech a couple weeks ago. Um, and so I, I think sharing podcasts is kind of becoming like a very valuable thing to do. So if you want to share episodes of sovereign tech, please do. Uh, if you don't want to, as I always say, I understand why. <laughs> uh, so, but anyway, there's, there's quite a few thousand of these people out there now, or, you know, listeners, not, not quite a few thousand donating on Patreon, unfortunately, uh, though it's, it's fine that they don't. Um, but yeah, let's get it out there. So anyway, thank you so much, uh, you know, for those that do, uh, and for those that have been sharing the Patreon page, uh, as well saying, man, you know, you're getting real value out of this. I, I really appreciate that. Um, so let's get into the questions. Let's just, let's do this. Uh, well, no, you know, I will say quickly, uh, last week's Q and a, I pretty much spent the whole time talking about alien life in the universe and all that. Uh, got a lot of great response from that. Uh, some people shared some, some very funny, uh, content with me that was relative to it about how Drake pretty much, you know, <laughs> left out a bunch of math. Thankfully, I'm not the only one that said that, even though, you know, I, I pretty much came up with that independently. Uh, that doesn't mean that people can't come up with it, you know, at the same time, of course, or even earlier than me. I just didn't know it, but, uh, but I'm really glad that that's out there. I don't know too many people, uh, that, that are doing a good job of debunking, um, the, the, the Drake equation, but, you know, speaking of, speaking of that, um, or not debunking, but, you know, just kind of calling a little bit of bullshit on the, on the Drake equation, you know, but speaking of that, and speaking of sharing podcasts, uh, one that I've been sharing, I've kind of made it a point. I've been trying to, to share on various social media, you know, certain podcasts that I've listened to where an episode was really great. One of which we'll get into later in the show, uh, that personally I consider required listening. Uh, this one is somewhat, but what I'm about to mention to you quick is somewhat supplemental. I've mentioned it on sovereign tech before. I said, you've got to check out this show and this show has just gotten better. It's about 20 episodes in, um, I consider it required listening every week. It is just brilliant. Uh, but the illumination hour, okay. Now there's a link in the show notes for, uh, for this Q and a episode. All right. Which this would be, is this Q and a episode number 15, 15 or 16? I lost track. Uh, but, <laughs> um, but this, this episode number 20 clash of civilizations, this was so good. Now the host is Ellen Stallone. She, I mean, you know, she, she's in, She's a young woman in college doing her thing, but obviously so brilliant. And this episode was so good. It, it really brought, like, I almost wonder if she's been listening to a lot of sex and science hour and a lot of, uh, a lot of sovereign tech, because like, it, it felt like this beautiful culmination of so many things I've said, where looking back perhaps at some, uh, you know, at, at, at even maybe some tribal culture, she breaks into that and integrating that into modern, you know, into our modern civilization and how West, the idea of Western civilization, like she even came out at the end and she said, it was so great. Oh man. She just comes right out and says, you know, I am not proud to be a part of a civilization that, has, you know, that, that is engaged in so much death 
or has been so much has been so responsible for so much death and war and so much suffering and all that and i was just like oh yeah (laughs) you gotta listen to it you know i'm 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 not doing her any justice in what i'm saying but i just i thought it was such a brilliant little pot or you know it's like an hour long but that episode 20 you gotta go check that out Uh, i i thought her presentation was phenomenal every episode she's done is great she even did an episode about alien life and kind of broke down the drake equation and even mentioned uh the problems with that and she also said independently she said look it's a good you know we're probably not going to be leaving the solar system at any at any point you know as humans and i was like yeah yeah and she's obviously a huge star trek fan as well uh so anyway you got to check it the illumination hour ellen stallone she's phenomenal i mean she is absolutely phenomenal uh so there's a little recommendation for you i'm probably going to make a couple recommendations throughout this episode but people seem to like my recommendations so good i'll give you some Anyway, let's uh, let's get into a couple questions here. Um, one question was: uh, Have I ever done a top ten science fiction book uh, list? Um, yeah, I I do have a notorious series that I call the top eights because you know five top ten, top five top three top ten you know it's all an arbitrary number. You know, they just give you a number because the human brain seems to like lists. Uh, so I do top eights just to kind of break it up and to stick with a little base 12 math. Um, I will do a top eight. Maybe I'll even do a, t- a top 10 or 12. I don't know. Uh, science fiction books. Uh, I will line that up as a Patreon special. Uh, so that just to let you know, that's on the way. Um, another question, though that has to actually do with sovereign tech. And I like this, you know, I've kind of, I've, I've labeled it sort of the sovereign tech secrets section um, of a Q and a episode where I tell you a little something, you know, about the show kind of, a, you know, pulling back the curtain uh, a bit, not that I am the great and wonderful Oz by any means. Um, but well, I am in the sense that I'm producing or, you know, that I'm making all this go, you know, happen. And I'm, a, you know, very much a, uh, you yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, what's a, a one-man roadshow or something like that? Uh, but anyway, uh, so the question had to do with the ads, um, because throughout the four-year going, we'll be going on five years soon. Um, but the, throughout the four-year history of Sovereign Tech, I have from the very first episode, I have run ads. Now, this is before I had sponsors. Okay, like uh, the sponsors, CryptoCompare.com. Um, I have, uh, you know, Roberts and Roberts Brokerage. And I think I'm actually bringing on another one uh, very, very soon here. So anyway, I bet, uh, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll keep you up on, uh, on all of that. Um, but I've always run ads for whatever, you know, either it was somebody that I did some kind of exchange with in the past, back when, you know, Sovereign Tech's audience was significantly smaller, Um or, you know, or if it was just something I wanted to get out there, like my most famous ad that I do, and, and I, I make different ones all the time, but is for uh, is for Babylon 5, the television show Babylon 5. Um, I, I have run a Babylon 5 ad recommending to people to watch Babylon 5 for four years now. Every single episode has that, or at least... I mean, there might have been a couple episodes where I didn't have ad. Whenever I don't have ads in it, it won't be there. But whenever there there are, you know, segments to the show, that ad's been there. Um, and I change it up every 25 episodes or, you know, maybe a little bit. In fact, yeah, I, it is every 25. I need to change it for episode 200, which is coming up in just a couple of weeks. Um, 
And, you know, I do other ads like I had uh, I had I have the ad for Knight Rider that's also running um, in the past. I've had other ones. I've had custom ones that I've made for myself, uh, you know, ones that, that were, were a call for donations or something like this. Uh, I, you know, I've done all kinds of these wild ads now. I or I've even done ads for Blake seven. Um, now I do them just and I won't spend a lot of time on this. Uh, my, you know, obviously for like Babylon five and some other things, I, you know, I'm not taking any money for those. I, I can't <laughs> like, it's not, it's not even a thing. Um, I really do most of the ads except for the sponsors, which are, are growing and, and I'm glad about that, you know, and if they fill in all the spots, well, again, it, you know, this is the thing, like I said, we have the goal of getting to $500 a month and then I'll do two episodes a week of sovereign tech. Um, also if I get to a certain point, of like, if I get such and so many sponsors, uh, then I will also by default do two episodes a week. If I get that many sponsors and then maybe the $500 goal will just turn into doing three episodes of sovereign tech a week. Uh, so, or, you know, it'll be something, something special. You know, you can let me know. It's actually a great thing. Patreon listeners. If you want to let me know what you think is great content, you know, what you would like more of, or what you enjoy. I mean, let me know. Okay. Because I want to make sure you're getting your value out of making sure that, you know, the main shows can really get out there, you know, effectively for free. Um, because you can, because you know, you're affording me the time to, to do more of it. So anyway, uh, you know, aside from the sponsors, all those ads, they're just, they're totally for fun. Um, they, they're, I will run an ad for something that I don't think that I think anyway, that I think people maybe haven't been paying attention to or that they missed uh, throughout history. Uh, you know, the history of entertainment or, or whatever. I, I used to run an ad for the 1978 Battlestar Galactica because it's one of my favorite shows of all time uh, and blows away the, the modern. Uh, I, I, it's, it's almost an insult to call it a reimagining. Uh, because I don't think there's a whole lot of imagination involved. Ron Moore is, is a loser. Um, but you know, when it comes to storytelling, anyway, obviously he's done very well for himself in life. I, I wouldn't take that away from him. Um, I've had dinner with the guy, okay? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I know just how, how much of a schmuck he, he really, you know, he is when you kind of corner him on stuff. Uh, he, he annoys the hell out of me. But anyway... Um, so yeah, th- those are just, they're totally for fun. I make them, you know, I'll, I'll cut them from like an old TV ad or something like that. And I'll add in my own little shtick, you know, my own little stuff. And, and that's, uh, that's how they come to be. Uh, as far as how I choose them. Yeah. It's just, it's just what I'm feeling. You know, it's like, whatever, whatever I feel like, you know, plugging, uh, the Knight Rider ad actually that I've been running off and on as late is pretty timely. Uh, because I just found out, and I'll mention this on the Sovereign Tech Prime episode as well, that Justin Lin, who is the uh, director for, he was the director of Star Trek Beyond, and he was also he's also been the director and kind of the driving force, no pun intended, behind the recent Fast and the Furious movies, which I love. They're my kind of my ultimate guilty pleasure. Uh, and he is making a uh, Machinima, you know, which is kind of a CGI series of of Knight Rider now apparently and I couldn't be more excited I think that's fucking great now I hope it's a sequel series uh I don't see any reason why he has to do a complete reboot uh especially when it's an you know it's not like it's not a live action series so you don't have to worry about the age of the actors I mean just just do a sequel so we'll see how how that shapes up you know how that works out um but uh, anyway I'll talk about that more in Sovereign Tech Prime 
but anyway, it, it's just I'm glad that I have the Night Rider ads running because they're running long before anybody had any fucking clue about this reboot. And, you know, it allows me to say, no, I like Night Rider before it was cool again, uh, <laughs> which <laughs> I'll tell you on a personal level, like I, I spend and maybe it's just something that I learned out of high school because, you know, in school, people always accuse you. Oh, you're on the bandwagon. Oh, you're only this. Well, I'm never on the bandwagon. Uh, I'm always way ahead of the curve on everything. And, uh, and I spend a lot of time making sure people know that, uh, that I'm not just liking something because, oh shit, it's new, you know, or it's what everybody's talking about. In fact, I, I almost make it a point to not talk about what everybody else is talking about. That may be why Sovereign Tech is doing so well, because <laughs> I do the exact opposite of what everybody else does. So anyway, uh, that, that's the deal with the ads. Um, I, you know, again, for the classic stuff, for the sponsors, yeah, those sponsors pay. Uh, for, you know, for everything else. Yeah. I mean, it's just for fun. It's just to fill, fill it in. And I've had them as placeholders because I knew eventually sovereign tech. I didn't, I can't say I knew hundred percent, but I was very confident in my ability, uh, you know, to get sovereign tech to the level to where there'd be, you know, thousands and thousands of listeners and that, you know, companies, businesses, whatever, would see the value in sponsoring and advertising on the show. I just, like I said, it wasn't 100%, but I was very confident of that fact, that 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 would end up happening. Um, Just like when when I knew I started pushing hard for Patreon and creating exclusive content, I knew people would see the value in it. And now we're a few months in, people have seen the value in it, obviously, because they're sticking with it. And thank you for that. Uh, so, you know, in fact, I did, I'll, I'll let you in on a little something that I'll be releasing, um, in Patreon, but it'll also be available for free. I was a guest on a podcast, uh, earlier this week. It was actually on Monday on a Nathan Frazier show, uh, who's a really good guy. I like the guy a lot. Um, and he's a listener of Sovereign Tech as well, but he runs his own podcast called the Anarchopreneur podcast. I love that. I love that word, Anarchopreneur. That's, that's so good. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I was on there and we were talking about personal branding and, you know, I, I made the point very clear. You've got to be confident. You've got not in confidence, real confidence, not the fake it till you make it bullshit that I get sick of real confidence in that, you know, exactly what you're talking about. You know, exactly what you're doing. You have absolute control of your faculties of what's going on, which I do. I, I post my show, I design my website, I do all of that. Everything is under my purview, okay? Everything is under my direct control. I don't rely on anybody else. That's not to say there aren't advantages to having a team. There is, and maybe someday, you know, I could bring other people on to do certain things for the show. Uh, like, I know Brett Vinod has people that works with him, uh, which is great. Uh, but, you know, as it stands, I mean, like, to get it to this level, I knew I had to be absolutely confident in everything I am doing. And that's how you start a personal brand. But you've got to be that confident. You've got to, you've got to know what you're talking about. You've got to have that life experience, you know, to know what, you, what you're getting into. Uh, and, yeah, anyway, fortunately, I was, I was able to do that. Uh, so, but, yeah, anyway, I, a lot of people, you know, email me and say they love the, you know, the little fun ads that I do and they recognize them for what they are. Uh, you know, speaking of the Babylon 5 ad, I actually, I have a tally of how many people have said, have messaged me or emailed me and have said that they started watching Babylon 5 and they loved it based upon my, you know, just hammering it home every single week on people. Uh, and that list, I, well, let me look it up. So we're up to, I know it's above 200. 
Okay, we're at about two, 227. Okay, so I, or no, no, that's an old number. 240, 243. Okay, there we go. 243. So we're up to 243, 243 people, um, which granted out of, you know, thousands of listeners, of course, granted a lot of those thousands didn't add up until the past couple of years, but uh, 243 people have said, oh yeah, I went, I sat through, you know, a five season show with a, with five, with a bunch of movies and, and all that, uh, you know, just on my recommendation. So thank you. So the ads work <laughs> even when I'm not, you know, the only payment I get out of that is that I know the human race still has some taste and that, and that people can recognize great content when they see it. Uh, maybe there's a, you know, maybe there's a thousand people that watched it and they're like, oh, this is shit. And they couldn't get past the first or second season, unfortunately, because you got to do that with Battle on Five. You got to get to that third season. That's when all the magic happens. Uh, but whatever. Anyway, I'm, I'm glad, you know, the 200, 243 people, you know, that have, that have watched it. Awesome. Good for you. Okay. I wasted 20 minutes on all that. I'm talking about ads and all this shit. Let's get into the questions. I apologize. All right. Cause you're not here. You, you know, you're not here to listen to me, you know, blow smoke up my own ass. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you wanted to blow smoke up someone's ass, I mean, just buy them a note seven or something. Right. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, okay. So here's, um, Here's a question. Do you think if AI surpasses human intelligence, AI being a reference to artificial general intelligence, it's important to be that particular about it, AGI, uh, surpasses human intelligence in most areas, do you think that humans can enhance their intelligence with cybernetic tech to catch up with uh, AI's intelligence? Now, um, this is something we've talked about somewhat in the past. Uh, on Sovereign Tech Prime episodes, okay, on, on the main episodes of Sovereign Tech, uh, we talked about how, you know, there's this idea of intelligence augmentation, which is IA instead of AI. Uh, and this is a thing. This is something that people really are working on. Uh, you know, it, it is absolutely, you know, very much a reality. Now, before I get into intelligence augmentation, what I have, a, I have something I want to recommend, and that is, as I listened to a podcast this week, it was actually a Triangulation, which is off of the Twit Network. I can't handle a lot of the shows on the Twit Network anymore. Um, like they're they're very tough to listen to because it's <laughs> it's kind of a clusterfuck <laughs> at times. Where where I don't know. I feel like they ignore a lot of elephants in the room, and I know they walk a line of not wanting to become political, but. Well, anyway, uh, so they, but triangulation, it was episode 270. There's a link in the show notes for this episode of Patreon. Okay. And they had Jerry Kaplan on and Jerry Kaplan was, this is a guy that, I mean, man, he has been in, you know, the, he has been so knee deep in Silicon Valley for so long. Uh, I mean, he, he is an OG. Okay. <laughs> you know, if there's an original gangster in the tech world. He's one of them. Uh, he is just a, a classic and has been involved in so many startups over the, the decades, not just not just, you know, the dot com bullshit long before all that. You know, this guy is is absolutely the real deal. Um, I mean, he's been involved in it really since the 50s. I mean, he, he you know, he just a class act. And I mean, he's been especially with artificial intelligence. He's been there with, you know, along with kind of a personal hero of mine, Marvin Minsky, you know, very, very much involved with them. And so his perspective, when they did this interview, it was like nothing you've ever heard before. 
listening to Jerry Kaplan talking uh, to Leah Laporte on triangulation on episode 270. I want you to listen to this. It's a, a, maybe a little over an hour of a podcast. It is the most important hour of a podcast. If you are interested in the subject of artificial intelligence, particularly AGI, okay, you need to hear this episode. I mean it. You need to hear it. All right. If I have to, if I have to take it and include it in, you know, and play it, play it in its relative entirety in a sovereign tech episode to get this information across to people, I fucking will. So you might as well just listen to it now, you know, and maybe give me some feedback on what you thought about it. And then I, you know, I won't have to do it uh, because he dropped such, such a, you know, giant bucket of cold water on the whole artificial intelligence conversation. Uh, it was beautiful. I mean, I, you know, I'll, I'll sum it up a little bit, but his, his point being is that when you, any news story talking about artificial intelligence right now um, is just out of touch with reality is his point. He says, we're not there, which touches on something I've been saying for a while on sovereign tech in, in the past few months. Okay. Now, I mean, I've kind of, I've been on a bit of a roller coaster as far as, you know, artificial intelligence. Okay. But one thing I've been saying lately is that, look, you know, Marvin Minsky, these guys back in the fifties and sixties were saying, Oh, in five years, we're going to have a computer that can think like a human. And I said, and that didn't happen. You know, which has led me to be very skeptical of a lot of the pursuits as late by the bigwigs, by the big companies, uh, you know, Amazon, Microsoft, uh, you know, Alphabet slash Google and, and whoever else. Because, I mean, you know, when they say, oh, we're going to have this and, and this goes true for a lot of different technologies, not just AI. I've, I've applied this. It's like, you know, these people just have like these crazy timelines, OK, to where they say this is going to happen. Um, and it never does. And his point is, is because it's never going to happen. There is that ineffable, which I've also described, uh, you know, when, when talking about humans, uh, you know, human intelligence versus artificial intelligence. There is that special bit of, of you know, ability to leap logic and, 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 you know, the fact that there's more to consciousness, perhaps, than just the brain. Uh, a lot of these different ideas where Jerry Kaplan, you know, came out and said the same damn thing. He, he said, like, look, you know, you're not. He pretty much said, you're not going to get computers to think like a human ever. And then Leo Laporte would bring up, well, Ray Kurzweil says, um, you know, if you don't know the difference, does it really matter? You know, if you don't know the difference that you're not talking to a human being, but you're actually talking to an artificial intelligence, does it really matter? And, uh, and you know, uh, Jerry Kaplan said, I mean, he just, he, you know, he, he just wiped the floor with Kurzweil. With all due respect, he said, he said, but look, you know, Kurzweil's way off. His dreams are way off. And yeah, it does actually. And he didn't, he didn't really get into this, but I'll get into this. Is that if you, you know, if the logic is, is that, okay, we will never get, and, and it seems like Kurzweil was kind of conceding this point perhaps, which is interesting. And I, I've called out Kurzweil. I've said, no, I think his, his predictions get massaged to where it seems like he's right, but I don't think he's been right because I've read his works. This is not new to Sovereign Tech listeners. I, I've said this before. I've read his works and I don't think he's, you know, I don't think everything he says has been on the up and up. Um, but, you know, the, the response to the question that if you don't know the difference, whether or not an AI is human or not, does it really matter? I think it does because human intelligence is so much more than conversation with another, you know, with, with another, uh, you know, sapient creature or, or machine or whatever. 
human intelligence, you know, the ability to even get to the point where we can even think about building, you know, artificial intelligence and all that, or, or even get close, potentially close perhaps, which again, that's arguable, especially if you listen to Jerry Kaplan, um, you know, is, is because of this incredibly, you know, I almost want to call it fragmented logic, but I feel like that term would, would have a, would have a, that has a negative connotation when I mean it in a very positive fashion, meaning that we don't always, you know, the human brain doesn't work. I've said this many times. It doesn't work A, B, C, D, E, F, G. The human brain can go A, D, C, uh, you know, M, F, X, you know, T, it can like skip around. And that's how humanity comes up with such incredible things. That's how art happens. That's how creativity in general happens. You know, we don't want our brains to think like Google organizes information because that is incredibly inefficient when it comes to making quantum leaps in, you know, in, in, in whatever, in whatever we're doing. And that's how we evolve so fast, right? <laughs> or, you know, not how we evolve, but I guess how we, you know, technologically evolve, perhaps, is the way to put that. Or even, you know, perhaps culturally evolve or, you know, a lot of all these terms have problems. But I think you take my meaning. Uh, so, yeah, it does fucking matter, Ray Kurzweil, if you can tell the difference. Or, you know, I mean, because, or if you can't tell the difference, I mean, even if you can't, it still matters because that AI is never going to be able to do what we can do. Um, so it becomes a, a huge question. I, I'm telling you, please listen to this episode. In fact, there, he even got into the transhumanism stuff. Oh, there were some great lines in it where he said, you know, they're talking about, well, what if like Ray Kurzweil says, we just upload our brains into a computer and, and just Jerry comes right out and says, we're so much more than that. He says, look, you're not going to upload, you know, you're not going to upload grandpa into a computer. Grandpa's dead. That's not grandpa. I mean, you got to hear his rationalization behind all that. It was fucking brilliant. So now, like I've said, I've been on somewhat of a somewhat of a roller coaster as far as this goes. I mean, I've had times where I think, uh, well, actually, maybe artificial intelligence has, has already been here for a very long time. Uh, you know, and I've laid out various theories um, on that you know, as to why I think that may be the case, you know, but I never had a whole bunch of solid evidence on that fact. Uh, but lately, you know, I've been more on the side of that. No, nah, they're, they're, they're failing. They're, they're not doing it right. It's, it's screwing up. Um, and one of the things that Jerry Kaplan brings up, uh, you know, which, which is also a huge, hugely important point is that what, even when you walk into the halls of say Google Amazon, Microsoft, whoever, you know, who, Apple, whoever's working on artificial intelligence, and you walk into the developer rooms and you ask these guys who are supposedly making all, what do they call it, machine learning? That's like their new, new term for it, you know, for what's supposedly artificial intelligence, blah, blah, blah. Um, they will tell you, no, I'm not working on an AGI or I'm, I mean, and like, they're not like, they can show you, look, this is not what I, I, he says, I think the guy next door is working on that because the PR teams for these same companies are like, we are building AI. Right. But then you actually ask the people working on the stuff. They're not working on that at all. You know, and they don't know. I mean, and these companies are so huge. They don't really know what another team is working on. And you go ask that other team that they think is actually working on AI. They're not working on AI either. And is it all going to come together like some giant Manhattan project? Actually, the way it's set up, probably not, uh, especially in some companies like Microsoft, where these teams don't communicate very well. <laughs> you know, so there's there's no way. 
that that's, that that's actually happening. So I'm starting to lean more in the direction myself that AI is just a thing that's not going to, that's not, you know, and a machine that can think like, that can think exactly or perhaps in superior ways to a human or in a superior fashion to a human, superior overall, is not going to happen. That's sort of where I'm leaning. I mean, like I said, I've been on a roller coaster. There's times where I think it's inevitable. There, and there's smart people in my life who I know also think it's inevitable uh, or who do think it's inevitable. But I'm, I'm really starting to, to think quite the opposite, especially when you look into the history of artificial intelligence. And when you take a critical look at a lot of the people and the companies that are supposedly developing this technology, things become very, very mushy. Okay. <laughs> they become very convoluted. Um, and in fact, the other thing that is great that Jerry, uh, Jerry Kaplan brought up was like the Turing test. The Turing test had nothing to do with developing an AI. Uh, <laughs> it had nothing, to, and I'm not going to spoil it for you. I want you to go listen to that episode. It is fucking phenomenal. Link is in the show notes for it. It's uh, triangulation episode 270. Uh, anyway, which with, with Jerry Kaplan. So now let's get into <laughs> the other, the other aspect of this. And what some would say is perhaps the more interesting um, you know, a- aspect of the whole thing. And that is not AI, but IA, intelligence augmentation. Now, like I said, this is something that has been talked about uh, somewhat briefly on Sovereign Tech before, and there are a lot of concerns of very real dangers of enhancing the human brain with various technologies, cybernetics, whatever it ends up uh, being, you know, to, to do that. And I mean, some of the current, some of the concerns come down to uh, kind of similar concerns to eugenics. Not so much that you're, well, I mean, not so much that the eugenic program is, say, sterilizing human beings, but in the idea more of like, you know, if we were to take a Star Trek reference, perhaps, or an analogy from Star Trek, would be, you know, you'd end up with a Khan Noonien Singh, okay, where, you know, the, the classic line from Mr. Spock, uh, you know, superior, uh, like superior ability breeds superior ambition. Um, and that, you know, that becomes a big question. Like is intelligence augmentation is, you know, this going to create something far more terrifying than an AI because humans come with various traumas and failings, you know, uh, from, from birth. And are those going to get expressed through new abilities that, that could really harm, you know, millions, if not billions of people. Uh, And, you know, that, that's, that's a legitimate concern uh, to be had. The other concern is, is that, is, you know, is this, these new, these new technologies of intelligence augmentation, are they going to be only something for the elite or the super rich? Um, and then are they going to, uh, you know, just, just treat everybody else, you know, all the quote unquote, maybe the normies or whatever, or the non-enhanced, are they going to treat them like slaves, which, some, you know, some would use, use the argument that they already do, uh, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> you know, and, and what happens when, you know, when this technology comes out and there's still governments, you know, I mean, and our government's going to have ultimate control who controls the cybernetics. Uh, you know, there's a great episode of, um, of SG one Stargate SG one that I reference often where this, you know, this population on a planet, um, 
did did have uh, they they had cybernetics attached to their brains and they could access a central computer of information. And this is something that Bill Gates himself has said he was very interested in. Not the episode of SG One, unfortunately, but the technology of being able to mentally access a gigantic, you know, uh, like this the centralized encyclopedia of sorts. You know, it's in Carta on steroids. And so there's people that really want this is my point, but to the fiction of it, um, you know, in, in this SG one episode, what would happen is, is that like this, the population was on this planet that was devastated. And so they were living in this kind of like this little bubble, this protective bubble on the world. And this bubble was failing, you know, this force field that was protecting them from the, you know, the dangers of the environment outside of it was failing. And so it was shrinking. And when, as it shrunk, it would actually send it would send people to their deaths outside of this force field. And then because everybody was connected to the central computer where all information was stored, people would, uh, you know, the, the computer would make them forget that that person existed. Like a guy suddenly never knew that he had a wife when he did just the day before. And the SG-1 team was like, hey, where's your wife? And it's like, what? I, didn't, I never had a wife, blah, 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 because their brains are so intricately connected with this central you know, computer that couldn't possibly lie, right? Uh, <laughs> and, you know, but what ended up happening is that, you know, the population got down, I don't know, to 100 or less or however many it was. And uh, Daniel Jackson finds books, which the books, you know, were an independent record away from the digital record. Hmm, that raises an important thought, doesn't it? But these books said, wait a minute, you used to have thousands, hundreds of thousands of people living, living in, in this force field. Where did they all go? And, and eventually, you know, the computer had to fess up that the computer was just trying to save as many people as possible, blah, 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 blah. And so it went to extreme measures and it offed other people and it erased everybody's memories. Now, this is a problem with intelligence augmentation. Who controls the database of knowledge? You know, if it, if part of intelligence augmentation, that's a, and that's an if, if it's connected to some kind of central store of knowledge, you know, could there be hash checks against that? But then, you know, is, is the cybernetic device perhaps that you connect or implant into your brain, you know, is that going to be open source? Can you verify that, that it's doing exactly what it's doing, right? All of these things are very real concerns when it comes to intelligence augmentations and, 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 and there's, there's others. Uh, but this is something that a lot of people are working on. In fact, one, it's a very, it's a pretty recent story, actually October 20th, just a few days ago. Um, Brian Johnson, who not, not the lead singer or the previous lead singer for ACDC, <laughs> as much as I like that guy, uh, Brian Johnson, here, here's a story from TechCrunch. I put a link in the show notes. I'm not going to read the whole story to you, uh, but Brian Johnson invests $100 million in Kernel, and that's the name of it, Kernel, to unlock the power of the human brain. Uh, I'll just read uh, the first uh, first thing here. Earlier this year, former Braintree founder Brian Johnson publicly announced his plans to forge Kernel, a company with the sole purpose of building hardware and software to augment human intelligence. Today, Johnson is investing $100 million of his own money into the concept, looking to rapidly double the size of his team, shore up a portfolio of intellectual property, and prefer, prepare for animal and human testing trials for a forthcoming device aimed at reducing cognitive deficiencies for sufferers of conditions like Alzheimer's and dementia. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's, there's going to be more, uh, you know, I, I, I can only, I can only imagine he has more in mind. Like I could see the same technology that allows, you know, that, that can solve dementia and Alzheimer's is effectively a technology that perhaps allows you to recall memories better. 
And so wouldn't everybody be able to make use of a technology like that? Certainly. And I don't have any, like in the abstract, I don't really have anything against that idea at all. In fact, I think it's a great idea. It's something that's been explored in other parts of science fiction as well. Uh, Earth Final Conflict uh, by Gene Roddenberry. You know, of course, it was after he died posthumous. Uh, but <laughs> but that explored that to where, you know, you could get an implant up your nose that that allowed you to access your memories and, you know, even like taste the pizza you were having at one point. Right. Uh, and other other places that, you know, have have explored that that kind of tech uh, or like the movie Limitless. I love the movie Limitless, you know, where Eddie Mora can suddenly, you know, like create this great cocktail of all of his memories, you know, and, and make them useful. <laughs> and that's kind of the whole shtick of, of that, uh, of that movie. The show was terrible. Don't ever watch the show. Uh, but, uh, but the movie was phenomenal. So anyway, I'm, I'm sure that's kind of the push uh, to do that. And they are looking to have something very real in the next seven to 10 years, according to this article uh, to do that. And perhaps the most important point is one of the concerns that we just brought up is that, is this going to be something uh, to, you know, that'll only belong to the super rich. Well, Brian Johnson brings this up particularly. He says, quote, my intent is to build products for billions of people, not just elite or rich, end quote. And that's right, uh, right in the article. Now, Brian Johnson has been involved. He has, I forget exactly what it's called. It's like called the OS project or something, which the idea is, is to, you know, kind of, uh, uh, he calls it the OS project. Not that he's building a new operating system as much as we do need one of those. I agree. Uh, but but, you know, for computers, but the operating system, he wants to upgrade the firmware for humanity. That's kind of like his, his whole shtick. And so he, you know, it's kind of like Peter, Peter Diamandis's kind of his X prizes and all that. But this is all about, you know, improving humanity in general. Um, you know, I don't have a whole lot to say about Brian Johnson himself. Of course, Braintree is a company based out of Massachusetts that PayPal eventually bought out a few years ago um, that they... It's a payments processor. It's a very popular one, you know, and whatever. It does what it does. They even accept Bitcoin. So kudos for Braintree, right? Um, but so I don't really have a whole lot to say about Brian Johnson himself. He seems to be wanting to do some very good things. Uh, and also in that story, he makes it very clear. And this solves another issue. Okay, is and when I've talked about IA in the past, intelligence augmentation, is that, look, if I can't remove whatever the augmentation is, I'm a little skittish about the whole idea. And he says particularly that they would be able to create a device that could enhance the human brain that does not, uh, you know, that might have to have some close proximity, but does not actually have to be implanted. It's something you could take off. Uh, so cool. Um, now people could raise a bunch of concerns, you know, go all black mirror on me and say, that, well, then, you know, that same technology that could just be a little, you know, thing you wear around your ear that you could take off, uh, you know, could be the same thing that could be put into a billboard and could affect everybody, you know, in everybody's mind. Okay. <laughs> Maybe, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't write that off. I'm just saying I'm aware, you know, some people might hold that concern. But a couple of the concerns that I have are, you know, are clearly being addressed by Brian Johnson here, saying that, yeah, okay, we want to get into intelligence augmentation, but you know, we don't have to do it. We don't have to hard, you know, you know, put it into put it under your skull, and we don't want to make it for the rich, for just the rich and the elite. Good. Now, here's the thing, and before I get into can intelligence augmentation help overall, before I answer that question, which is really what the question was about, that we just got a lot of lead up, okay. Um, I will say this that I think 
you know, that, that concern that it would just be made for the rich or the elite. I think that that's certainly a possibility that could happen outside of Brian Johnson's purview. Um, and I think that the only reason that that would happen is not because the technology is an expense is, is expensive. And even if it were, I'll explain that in a second. I think it would only be because they're just, they're elitist assholes and they want it for themselves, you know, and they want everybody else to be inferior. That's the only reason for this, because otherwise it doesn't make sense. Even if it were the most expensive technology in the world, it makes more sense to raise the, you know, and intelligence is not IQ. It's a whole bunch of different factors that also comes up in Jerry Kaplan's uh, uh, podcast where he debunks the whole notion of IQ, which I've told you is bullshit for years on this show. And yet a whole bunch of other anarchists say, oh, we're so much smarter now. IQ's blah, 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 blah. Fuck it. All right, but here's my point. Is that, now I'm not talking about raising IQ, but just like the ability to use the brain better, okay? I'm not talking about IQ. The ability to use the brain better. Why would you not give that to every single human being on the planet? Because one of the problems in the world is, is that, Everybody's fucking stupid. That society is built for the average. So get rid of the average. And then we could really get places. Everybody wins when intelligence augmentation done right, done ethically and done where the individual is in control, is absolutely in control. When you do it that, I mean, when you do that, the whole world wins. Humanity in general wins. Every individual wins by everybody else having better faculties. It is dumb to only, I mean, like the irony of the statement, but it's true. It is dumb to just do intelligence augmentation for the few. It is dumb. It doesn't economically make sense. What makes economic sense is to raise the ability of every single human being. That makes economic sense. To raise the ability of the few of the quote-unquote 1% or, you know, whoever to, to raise the, the ability of Larry Page, to raise the ability, of, you know, of all these other slap nuts. No. <laughs> and just them alone? No. Everybody? Yeah, that makes economic sense. And in fact, it's kind of telling that there's not a whole lot more money. This is like, you know, when, when you see, when you read about how Brian Johnson wants to do it, now, either there's some scientists that we don't know about, some scientific ball, secret scientific ball that we have no evidence for, but, <laughs> but that, that already figured out that that's not possible. Um, and that's why they're not doing. Or it just goes to show the importance of why everybody needs access to this stuff. Because why hadn't anybody thought about this fact before? If you have billions of dollars to toss around, if you're Apple, if you're whoever... You know, I mean, in fact, honestly, before you go trying to solve death, let's figure out how we can improve the human brain because then that allows for the, you know, before you even work on AI, let's, let's improve the human brain in this way. That way, like, like everything just, then you can, who knows what you can figure out, you know, at that point, once you improve the human mind. Now you want to be careful. There's dangers. 
but I think it's worth looking into. I think intelligence augmentation, as long as it's something that is optional and can be removed, which Brian Johnson under, you know, with his kernel project said is one of the, is the goals. Yeah, let's do this. Let's work on it. You know, I think it's a great idea and why every business in the world isn't putting a shit ton more money in it than just a hundred million dollars. This should be a hundred billion dollar idea that's getting worked on. So I'm glad somebody's at least looking into it, you know, and unfortunately there are governments out there. I don't know if hooking up everybody to some, you know, IA device is going to make them realize, holy shit, we don't need governments. Governments are unethical. That'd be nice, but we got to be super, but that, that just, look, it all just raises the point. You got to be super clear on who has control, who has real control of, you know, say when these IA devices ever come out, is it going to be the individual or is it even some company? Even if it's some company, I wouldn't fucking trust it. Now, to get to the abstract of the actual question, um, yes, let's say that artificial or, you know, artificial general intelligence, let's say that the great fears uh, were going to become a reality, that, you know, we're going to end up with Skynet or something like this. Um, Could IA, could, you know, uh, intelligence augmentation on a human compete with artificial intelligence? Absolutely. I cannot see why it would not. Uh, the, the, I guess maybe one of the concerns is that if that's sort of the goal, at what point does the human brain stop being the, you know, at one point does the human stop being the human and it just ends up becoming the artificial intelligence? You know, if the goal is, is to beat this artificial intelligence at its own game, that's a real concern. Um, but yeah, I, I think... I absolutely think, and in fact, there might be ways to where, you know, like the human brain could be a far better foundation than any selection of silicon parts that could comprise an artificial intelligence computer, you know, or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I, I am fully on board that 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 could that could be a reality, you know. Now, but of course, the, or you know, that that intelligence augmentation could help us combat. Um, you know, the AI or, you know, like a malicious AGI or something, or just an AGI with, with a greater intelligence. Now, all that said, as I've said many times, is one of my, one of my favorite sayings, artificial intelligence is no match for natural stupidity. (laughs) And I know that sounds funny, but it's true. I think it's absolutely true uh, that like I talked about those leaps, those quantum leaps in logic that humans can do can outwit, in my opinion, any artificial intelligence devised. Just by its very nature, because you would get to Z because a computer just like, I, you know, this is like the human brain does parallel processing, right? And how computers do scaling processing and all that, you know, it has to go in order. A computer has to think A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, E, right? As to where the human, like I gave the example, the human can think A, E, B, uh, you know, X, N, P, you know, it, it can skip around and thus can get ahead of the linear track. Um, so, you know, I, I, I really think that the human brain, even if an artificial intelligence existed that say we didn't know was any, that, that we couldn't tell the difference, say under the, the conventional understanding of the Turing test, we couldn't tell the difference whether or not it was a, you know, a human or not. I think the human intelligence could still outwit, um, you know, the artificial intelligence. Uh, so, you know, the question of what's superior is... 
it's a muddy question. You know, I, I, I really think it is. But yeah, I think intelligence augmentation is definitely a thing. I think it's something worthy of looking into. I have my concerns, but I don't, I, you know, I have my reservations, but I don't think it's something that we shouldn't be looking into. I think absolutely we should, uh, you know, look, look into that. So, but keep in mind that the human brain itself, and in fact, I mean, you know, who knows? Like, I don't think we've, we've rare, perhaps rarely, if ever, seen what human intelligence, what the human mind really looks like, say, if it goes from day one, you know, from birth to adult with either no traumas or far fewer traumas, you know, based upon failings of parenting and of society, uh, you know, who knows what that brain looks like? That might be incredible. That might put Einstein to shame or Tesla to shame. So, you know, there's questions of, I mean, I, I think it's a very real statement to say that the human brain has yet to even reach its actual potential. You know, like, like we've never seen it. What, what, a, what a great human mind, perhaps what a truly great human mind looks like. Uh, and maybe AI could never beat that. Really. So anyway, I mean, but that's, that's speculation. I, I'm being very speculative in that. Some of the other things I said here were speculation, but, but there you go. So anyway, kudos to, to Brian Johnson. I'm, I'm very intrigued by, uh, by what he's, he's working on uh, there. So we've gone really long on that topic. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm going to be able to get into the other question. Uh, I guess I could, I could just start touching on it. Um, the other question had to do with uh, let's see here. Do you think phasing out servers, particularly root DNS servers, would mitigate a lot of security issues occurring on the internet? Okay, I think I can get into this one pretty quickly. Um, I talked about this at the beginning of uh, episode 198 of Sovereign Tech that just came out this past uh, Saturday. Uh, you know, I, I didn't like touch on this so directly, but this is obviously a reference to the, you know, the internet outage of October 21st, 2016, where Dyn, the company Dyn, out of Manchester, New Hampshire, my backyard, Silicon Milliard, uh, that's what they call Manchester, the Silicon Milliard, um, that they, you know, they, they got DDoS attacked by a bunch of Internet of Things to be hacked devices. I'm sorry, Internet of Things devices. Uh, and because, because Dyn, even though they weren't really like hosting a lot of the content, a lot of the data for, say, Twitter or Netflix or some other companies, they were the root DNS server, like mentioned in the question. They were the root server where, you know, where, where the phone book looked to. So when that went down, even though the servers for a lot of these companies were fine, um, you know, the sites went down effectively or they appeared to be down. Uh, so, yeah, so, it, you know, if, if we phased out servers and we went to a more peer-to-peer model. Uh, absolutely. No, no doubt about it that you would be looking at um, solving this problem of, you know, like what happened on October 21st to where you have full-on outages. Now, however, a lot of the peer-to-peer ideas that are out there, okay, and you got to be, you know, I want to be clear on this. A lot of the peer-to-peer ideas out there may not work so well um, or, you know, may not be as quick or as efficient as a, ser- as, you know, a big iron system, as they call it, or, you know, as a, as a server-based, say, uh, network, okay? For example, a lot of people have brought up the fact that, you know, like Ethereum, okay? Ethereum, the, the blockchain-based technology, Ethereum wants to 
you know, they, they want, um, how to put this, you know, it wants to replace like every service. It wants to be the new internet, blah, blah, blah. And yet they've shown how there's a lot of use cases that networks traditionally do where Ethereum is just so terrible at it, not because necessarily, not because of a failing in Ethereum, but in the fact that peer-to-peer just makes the process way too fucking slow. All right, so I think what needs to, so, so here's the thing, here's, here's my point in saying all this, okay, is that for there to be, you know, for, for us to, to have a more peer-to-peer culture, more peer-to-peer networks, mesh networking, all of that, I think the very nature of commerce needs to change. The very nature of how we interact with each other needs to change. I mean, it's a point I've brought up many times on Sovereign Tech, and that is, is that really, like, a lot of the technologies that exist out there, I'm not saying the technologies are unethical to exist, okay? Technology is just a tool. But I will say this, humans aren't ready for them. Humans aren't ready for the internet. They're not. That's the problem. You know, when you look at like all the abuse on Twitter, you look at all the abuse on all these various technologies, blah, 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 you know, and all these terrible things that happen because of it. You know, even the DDoS tax, uh, you know, themselves, blah, 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 all this shit. It's because humans aren't ready, not because necessarily the technology is flawed, So, you know, we, you got to get humans to the point to where they can handle, uh, you know, peer, more peer-to-peer networks, I think. Uh, and not just humans, but like, say, culture and society and civilization in general. Um, peer-to-peer networks, in my opinion, aren't going to necessarily... I mean, there's, there's great ideas out there. You know, what is it? There, there's, there's Freenet. Um, you know, of course, you have MadeSafe. Uh, you have uh, RetroShare, you know, you've got a few of these, you have ZeroNet, you have a few of these things that are, you know, they're, they're trying to be the, the global internet while at the same time being, at the same time being peer-to-peer. But like, you know, th- th- these technologies still have some time behind them. And some of them, you have to wonder, are they going to be able to deliver? You know, or does the question become, is it even possible? You know, so, you know, these are big questions, uh, but I think that what really needs to happen for peer-to-peer to really take off, and it's a direction I think things really should go, you know, I don't know, I don't want to say life needs to slow down or something like that because it's not going to, uh, but understand that that a lot of the needs for servers come from global, you know, multinational companies, right? But I repeat myself, uh, you know, it comes from the, you know, it, it comes from these giant things where, you know, you have people working all over the place and there's these, you know, thousands and thousands of person teams and all this shit, right? That that's where that comes from. Now, here's the big question is that like, and, and of course, we, you know, on Sovereign Tech, we come from the anarchist perspective. If we were in a world without governments, could gigantic multi, you know, quote unquote, multinational or global, I should say, because then there wouldn't be nations if there weren't governments, right? But if could global companies even exist, you know, global 100,000, you know, employee companies even exist? Could Google exist? Could Microsoft exist? Could Amazon exist? Could Apple exist? I would argue no, because most of those companies only exist because they lobby out their competition through government, through the use of government. Okay, they make it difficult for, say, the local guys who, you know, really, I mean, uh... For example, okay, like <laughs> now something that, that we rip on a lot here is, is uh, Arcade City, okay? And I don't mean to beat a dead horse, uh, 
but what, one of the ways that they were showing that they kind of tricked people into thinking that there was actually an idea here or that, that there was some kind of like success, potential success uh, available was in Austin when Uber, okay, in Austin, Texas, when Uber and, um, and Lyft were banned from the, from the city, people started a Facebook group under the name Arcade City and they started booking rides through Facebook, through this Facebook group, all right, in Austin. Now, that and and it was very successful and it worked it worked wildly okay but understand that really facebook was just kind of the facilitator but you know just some local website or even some local honestly you know if it was back in the 90s some bbs could have just cropped up and could have done the same job what was really successful wasn't facebook what was successful was um you know was was the fact that it was this localized business that could respond quickly you know by the second to you know, uh, the, the changing legal landscape in Austin, Texas. So that, so that's the thing. So, so like what success Uber's not successful in Austin, you know, this, this, this Facebook group honestly is all right. And it's not even arcade city. It's, it's not the app at all. It's just this fucking Facebook group that, you know, where you could set all this stuff up. So that's my point is that, you know, if, if these big companies, were, and it might sound like, it might sound contradictory based upon the fact that government is what's keeping Uber out of there, okay? But if these big companies didn't have such a stranglehold on their markets due to usually the government siding with them because of lobbying and all this, uh, then local businesses would wipe the floor with, and, and would be, would not only wipe the floor, but could, you know, could change with the times at any given second and, and just adapt so quickly, w- adapt way better than Google or, or, you know, any of these other companies could even dream of doing. In fact, most people admit, or, you know, Google will even admit that they are, they suck at local. Why? Because they're this giant fucking global company. You, they can't do local very well. They only hold on by, you know, by the fact that they have so many goddamn lobbyists and they have such a great relationship with governments. As to where, you know, you could create like this very quickly, you could create a, you know, a local map and then people could have like, you know, certain like an intersection of how you, you would access those maps or something like that. And that, and which doesn't have to be a centralized service, okay, and, and people, you know, they, they kill Google Maps in a heartbeat. It'd be eons better. So, so my, my point being, you know, with saying all that, is that, yeah, I don't, without governments, global, massive, massive employee, you know, or, you know, global companies with large employee bases just would not exist. They, they, they couldn't compete with local businesses. They couldn't even dream of it. So, I mean, this goes true for the internet itself. You know, like everybody's like, oh yeah, title two, title two. Yeah, we got them. Net neutrality. Yay. Hey, but what, what didn't change when net neutrality got passed? Nothing changed about the last mile. Okay. So cable companies were, you know, they're, you're still not allowed to create an independent cable company or, you know, an independent, um, you know, ISP, which ISPs traditionally were cable companies. So that's, that's why I said cable company. All right. So but if, you know, if companies could move into an area and, you know, without having to worry about the government getting involved in all that, and they could lay down or use alternative technologies like maybe Li-Fi, which is laser-based internet, 
Like if somebody could come in and set that up and then they connected at a certain point or whatever, I mean, you know, Time Warner wouldn't stand a chance. AT&T wouldn't stand a chance. But no, they own, they lobby the, you know, local municipalities and then, of course, the federal government and all that to where they get to keep control, you know, of, of the infrastructure of the Internet. All right. But again, if there was no government, these companies could, you know, what are the, they can't, they're not going to have the force of, you know, they're not going to have, uh, uh, you know, violence to back up their, their, their quasi monopolies. So that's the thing for peer to peer to really work. I think we, I really do think that, that you either need to ignore a lot of those big services or you need to ignore government or you need to get rid of it and and allow you know the the market to take shape because honestly i think the market would you know the the internet infrastructure as we know it would automatically become peer-to-peer if there weren't if there wasn't you know some kind of government interference much like it was in the 90s where there wasn't a lot of interference and bbs systems bulletin board systems were popping up everywhere they didn't need any special papers to to do anything they're popping up all over the place they were their own little internets each bbs was really its own little internet okay and it just used the infrastructure that was around to be able to do what it did and i think when you if you got rid of a regulatory environment which is what a government is you would end up with the same damn thing all over again <laughs> so we already have a historical example of how this shit would work. So anyway, um, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's my whole thoughts on that. Is Yes, getting away from servers could make that a reality, but really you're not... I don't want to say they're tied. You can build peer-to-peer systems by and ignore people. I, In fact, that's one of the primary goals I try to push on Sovereign Tech. Uh, but understand that getting away from servers, you know, like, like to where big iron is really no longer needed at all requires somewhat of a different world than we live in. Um, and, and I think it, you know, to some degree, I think it can happen. Um, in fact, I talked about it on episode 198 of Sovereign Tech, where I said that, you know, I think New Hampshire needs its own internet. Well, that's kind of part of, part of this whole situation because then you, you could go peer to peer, uh, and you know, you wouldn't be so reliant on the, you know, our server-based internet as it, as it is. So anyway, uh, there, uh, enough of that. Um, all right, I'll, I'll get into the last fun one here, and then I, then I got to stop. I got shit to do. So <laughs> uh, the question was, was pretty much, it was, you know, I talked about, was it last week that I got in? Yeah, I think last week I might have talked about the whole music thing, how I didn't like Nirvana and all that, and, and you know, how I like my music to be about sex and everything. And pretty much, you know, I had people ask me about my favorite, uh, what my favorite band was of all time. Um, I had a few questions kind of similar to this. There is a Sovereign Top 8. I mentioned those Top 8s earlier. There's ones where I covered a bunch of different heavy metal bands. And there's even one where I, I covered a bunch of just like regular rock music, I think, or, you know, regular pop music. And in those, I cover a lot of my favorite bands. But to answer the question very simply, <laughs> uh, my favorite band of all time is Kiss. It's been that way for a very long time. Uh, the first song I can really ever remember learning, aside from, you know, the more nursery rhymish stuff. Uh, the first, you know, modern song, I guess you could say, that I ever remember learning. Now I was born in 1981. I, can, I remember at six years old learning the lyrics to Crazy Nights. Uh, which was off of the self, you know, the, the, the titular Kiss album, Crazy Nights. It's the first track on there. I mean, like I knew the whole rap that, that, that Paul Stanley put out. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, it, it just sticks with you. 
there was a while where maybe I would have said more Motley Crue or maybe Bon Jovi were my favorite bands. Uh, but Kiss really just takes it all. They just stand an absolute cut above. Um, they, I mean, obviously they have history on their side, you know, I mean, they, they're the number one gold record band. Not maybe that doesn't even mean a whole lot anymore or no, it doesn't mean a whole lot anymore. Uh, gold record selling band, you know, in, in American history, you know, they're just behind the Beatles. I mean, Kiss is a big fucking deal. Um, and a lot of their albums went platinum too. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, just the music is so, and I'm more understand when I say my favorite band is Kiss, I am way more of a non-makeup era Kiss fan. I like the, you know, I like Kiss with the makeup too, but I am that rare fan that thought their best work was from, you know, like 83 to 93. Like there was that decade, uh, decade of decadence, not to take anything away from, from Motley Crue's greatest hits album, but, you know, from Lick It Up, really, though really, I, I like to count Creatures of the Night in that because Ace really wasn't involved in that album. Uh, but from Creatures of the Night, which wasn't 83, but from Creatures of the Night all the way to uh, to Revenge or Carnival's, uh, Carnival of Souls, which that goes beyond 93 as well. That was 95. You know, from that that era, I think is just so good. It is the best music perhaps ever produced by human beings. Uh, it is just, it is so much fun. It covers the, in my opinion, the entire human condition, sadness, happiness, sex, you know, lust, all the good stuff. Okay. Uh, I, I just, I think it's phenomenal. Um, I, you know, that's, that's my favorite. As far as like my favorite Kiss album. Oh boy. Uh, it's a toss up between Revenge and Asylum. I think Asylum is, is such an underrated Kiss album. Uh, but I love it. Track for track. Even even the cheesy stuff, like, you know, even Gene Simmons' Trial by Fire, I thought was a great song on there. Uh, so, but Revenge, Revenge is such a solid fucking album. Like, I, boy, if they stuck with that sound, that sound was so raw, so heavy, so, yeah, you, you felt it in the genitals. Whatever erogenous zones you have, you feel that album. You know, Revenge is so fucking good. Uh, in fact, I remember seeing them play it on, or, you know, play some songs from it when the Live 3 came out, which is also my favorite live album by them. Uh, but when the Live 3 came out and they, they were on um, the Arsenio Hall show, man, <laughs> that shit was good. I mean, they were, like, they were hungry when they played that album. That that was crazy. I don't know what got into them. Not to say they, they ever lost their hunger necessarily, but they, you know, I mean, because the album before, uh, Hot in the Shade, is also, you know, just a great album. Um but revenge, like it's like there were a bunch of twenty-year-olds on stage, you know. But they weren't; they were, you know, in their forties or however old they were at the time. Uh, it, just, just great stuff. So, yeah, Kiss is definitely my uh, my favorite band. Um, I mean, like I, I you know, n- with me, no answer is really that simple. <laughs> like now, who's my favorite? Like uh, you know, single musician. Who's my favorite artist? Well, I got to give that to Michael Jackson. You know, but he's not really a band. Uh, Michael Jackson is just, I mean, that's, that's not news, I think, to anybody. You know, I, I talk about Michael Jackson all the time. He's, he, was, he was the king of pop. He was the greatest. Uh, there's, there's no, in my opinion, no question about it. Uh, so, anyway, there, there's, there's the, the, the answers to that. <laughs> yeah, Kiss takes them all. I mean, they're they just, they're so good. And they have such, man, like, like part of their part of their their whole trick, their whole shtick, their whole magic, is that they are bigger than the music. That is so important. 
You know, and it's something admittedly, you know, uh, full disclosure, because you're going to hear that episode about personal branding. It's something I try to do with Sovereign Tech, where, you know, I am bigger than the podcast. I try to be bigger than the podcast. I'm not saying me personally. I just, I like to say, you know, kind of the the abstracts around, uh, you know, what I'm looking for in life and anarchism and what Sovereign Tech, you know, what gets talked about on there and all that. Those abstracts, you know, are bigger than the podcast, I like to hope. Uh, And actually with the video game company, they are. In fact, I, I, you know, I'll announce this, um, October 25th, first off, I should say this is getting released on October 26th, but on October 25th is the 210th birthday of who I call my schoolmaster, uh, in anarchism, that being Max Sterner. Happy birthday, Max. Uh, you know, as, as I said, I'm very social media. Um, you know, don't worry. Some of us are still calling out the spooks that including my, you know, myself and I've recommended Max Sterner's ego in its own. Whenever anybody's asked me the question, not my favorite band, but what's what I think is the best book on anarchism. I always say that is the text to go to is the ego, the ego in its own by Max Sterner. So happy birthday to Max Sterner. Uh, also October 25th, uh, happy birthday or anniversary to Tomb Raider, to Laura Croft, 20 years this year. So in 19 or 1996, I remember, you know, like she came out on, what was it, 3DO, PC, and the PlayStation was really where she owned it uh, in that year. And I mean, wow, I'm such a huge, I'm a huge Tomb Raider fan. I, I every Lara Croft game that, that comes out, I play. Uh, anyway, and so, but also October 25th is the two-year anniversary of the, of the creation of my game company, Zomi Offline Games. So, which, uh, the, you know, we have two games under our belts. There's Hypercronius and Ninja Trek. And a third one is on the way. Hypercronius 2 is coming. And it's coming very soon. I'll just, I'll put it to you that way. Okay, I don't want to give you like a super hard date and disappoint. Uh, I'm just going to say that it is coming very, very soon. It's coming along very nicely. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that, that's, enough. that's enough for this. So, lots of celebrations to be had, certainly. Max, good old Max, Lara, and Zomi Offline Games, the great and powerful Zod. Woo! <laughs> but uh, enough of that. Um, I think this episode's gone on long enough. Again, thank you all so much to all the patrons, all the Patreon subscribers to Sovereign Tech. Uh, you really help all this happen, every single bit of it, and, uh, and it means the world to me. Uh, so, Carpe Lucem, everybody. I'll see you on the other side. Got a new Sex and Science Hour coming out. Oh, did everybody love that season three premiere? <laughs> and, then, and then we've got, ooh, things are going to get crazy on Cyber Tech this week. Yeah, I'll see you. I'll see you then. Ooh, ooh. just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com, that's S-O-V-R-Y-N Tech.com, and connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love, and love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to the evolution.